I'm Millie Solomon, president of the Hastings Center, and this is the next in our series called Hastings Conversations. Today we're going to focus on a topic that could affect every one of the 4 million babies born in the United States annually. The cost of genome sequencing has plummeted over the last 10 years, and many people are now advocating that we sequence the genomes of all babies at birth. The thought is that this will usher in a new era of more highly personalized medical care where people will be able to receive medicines specifically suited to them and that they'll be more likely to take up preventive action if they know their genetic risks for various diseases. This is a controversial and a complex issue with people feeling very strongly on both sides, advocating for universal genome sequencing at birth by some and, and others who are quite concerned. Around about 2015, the University of California, San Francisco, won a grant to study families' interests in having their newborn sequenced. And as part of that grant, the UCSF Director of Bioethics, Dr. Barbara Koenig, who's a national ethics leader and also a Hastings Center fellow, reached out to invite the Hastings Center to collaborate on the ethical questions raised by the prospect of newborn sequencing. Two of our staff scholars, Eric Perrins and Josephine Johnston, worked closely with Dr. Koenig, along with a special ethics advisory board, which they formed. The board was composed of health policymakers, leaders of newborn screening programs, neonatologists, and many other relevant experts. As a result of that collaboration, we've now published a special report, which makes some important and some con very controversial recommendations. We were delighted to see that within a few days of our report's release, The Lancet, one of the world's leading medical journals, published an editorial endorsing our recommendations. The report is free and you can find it on our website. So I'm very pleased that Dr. Koenig has agreed to chat with us today about those recommendations. And I'm going to turn now to you, Barbara. Thanks so much for joining us. And I'm just going to launch right in. I'm going to start by asking you, we've, you know, we've all seen the term genome sequencing in the newspaper, but it's, it's become almost a magical term. What exactly is genome sequencing? Could you start there? So sequencing itself, the definition. Um, I'm I'm an anthropologist by disciplinary background, so I'm not I'm not a technologist. I'm not a, a, a genome scientist. So I will I'm going to try and explain uh, genomic sequencing uh, to you the way we do when we have a, a parent in the clinic. Say it's an exciting tool that lets you look at someone's whole uh, sequenced excuse me, sequence data at the same time. Your report is focusing specifically on the use of this technology with regard to newborns. And you, in the very first essay, make some very important distinctions uh, between whole genome sequencing and targeted sequencing and between different reasons to use sequencing. Could you kind of lay out for us the what you see as the most salient um, distinctions that are relevant to sequencing newborns? Sure. Well, um, we put together this national group to which met three times over the course of about three years, and we started to think about this big question of when should sequencing be used for newborns, and in doing that, we came up with some important distinctions. The first is you can do sort of whole genome sequencing, as I described before, or you can also do targeted sequencing, which is trying to look at particular, the genes associated with particular diagnoses. 
and it was important to keep in mind the actual context in which this technology was being used. And so there are three important contexts that we work through in the report. And the first is the clinical context. The second is the public health context. So when would we use this technology in the context of state-mandated newborn screening programs in the United States? And then the third context is the direct-to-consumer context. That is increasingly popular uh, approach to spit in a tube and send in your DNA to a company which can then analyze it and give you information about both your ancestry and your, and in some cases, some of your um, health uh, predispositions, etc. So those were the key distinctions. I think another distinction it's important to keep in mind when you think about this is that there are screening uses as well as diagnostic uses, and those are two very uh, different things as well. So we then, in our report, lay out our recommendations in each of those specific contexts. If you look at policymakers and the literature in general, they do seem to fall into polarized camps, with many people very pro the universal screening, sequencing, and many then others who are unconvinced and may see no merit or even see harms, very con. One of the things that I think is most admirable about the Hastings Center and those of us who work in bioethics is that most of the time we're not that black and white. We're not black and white thinkers. And that comes through in your lead essay, and I think it's where you were just going with your comment about the importance of these distinctions. The lead essay says that you and your co-authors, Josie and Eric and others, are both optimistic and cautious. So before I ask you to to tell us the bottom line, what the recommendations were, could, could we start a little bit further back? Tell us why you were optimistic, and then I'll ask you why you were cautious. Well, I think, of course, the mapping of the genome is a moment of incredible optimism in terms of human accomplishments. Uh, we heard that in great detail. Those of us who are old enough to remember the announcements when Francis Collins and uh, and President uh, William Clinton announced the sequencing of uh, the full sequencing of the first human genome. It was a it was is such a moment of optimism. But so, so I think everyone has been very optimistic about this new technology. So why the why the caution? Are there potential harms as well? Well, the harms are harder to define. Uh, it's always hard to define harms in situations like this. It's important for us to go to the particular context because the harms are going to be uh, are going to be better understood in relationship to those particular contexts. So, um, so one of the things our report does is to think through, for example, the the clinical context. So it's very the the potential harms in doing sequencing on a newborn baby are gonna be very different depending upon whether that infant is at that point in time showing symptoms, is ill, perhaps in a neonatal intensive care unit, um, versus a, a child who is seemingly healthy and has not had any uh, indication that there are any problems. So, so the potential harms are gonna be quite different depending upon uh, on that context um, because, of course, the balance between benefit and bur burden is going to be quite different. Because the potential benefit for a child who is, uh, who is ill is to make a diagnosis and to make a diagnosis rapidly 
Um, at the moment, it takes a bit of time to do a sequencing test in a neonatal intensive care unit, say, or in another acute care setting. But the speed at which that can be done is in- increasing very rapidly. And one of the centers who, that was part of our NIH project is actually one of the centers that has uh, created essentially the world record for how quickly one can do a sequence uh, of an Ill, Ill newborn and possibly get a diagnosis. We don't know how often a diagnosis will be uh, possible. It seems like there are many different studies that, that sort of try and estimate how often if you do sequencing of an undiagnosed ill child, you will get a, a, an, a definitive answer. It sometimes is uh, about 20%, maybe sometimes up to 40%. Those numbers are just emerging. Targeted sequencing for, for sick babies as a way of diagnosing their conditions could be very appropriate and very, very helpful, hopefully, and, but not population screening right. for every baby, for all well babies. Um, so as we were, so one of the main uh, policy re- reasons that we did this report or thought this through is because we were very concerned about how the advent of sequencing uh, as a new technology was going to play out in the public health context. And the, the, the potential harms of using sequencing, bas- basically our recommendation is that um, whole genome or whole exome sequencing is not at this point in time an appropriate technology to use in public health newborn screening. Um, And for a a number of reasons, which we can talk about in more detail, but the main reason is that you get uh, so much information that is is not clear. And also, uh, if you just look across the whole genome, you lose that specificity that has been the hallmark of public health screening which is that you really think through very carefully which conditions can be um, ascertained uh, and should be ascertained and because of the issue of being able to immediately intervene. So that's, uh, that, I would say, is the, is the main reason. That we should think about targeted genome sequencing when babies are sick, but we shouldn't, do, we shouldn't use this talk technology for population screening for many, many reasons. One reason you didn't mention, Barbara, is the fact that if we were to have information at birth about adult onset conditions or the risks for adult conditions, that might not be something that parents would or children would, would want. In fact, many adults who get adult onset conditions choose not to, who are at risk for them choose not to know, and we would be foreclosing that opportunity for children. They would have an awful lot of information about themselves from birth on. Absolutely, and that, that phenomenon in the ethics world is something called the, the need to preserve the child's right to an open future, so that's one um, ethical consideration uh, that, that's important to, to keep in mind. I want to ask you one other thing because there was another rather controversial recommendation that we put out there um, regarding direct-to-consumer testing, and I thought maybe you could mention that. So if you think about the issue of, the, uh, of direct-to-consumer, um, we made a very strong recommendation that this was not an appropriate uh, uh, use of, new, of this technology at this point in time. Uh, because there is just too much uncertainty about the meaning of particular variants. That was, that was, I think, a fairly controversial recommendation, and we especially thought that 
it was not that it was a responsibility of pediatricians or nurse practitioners who are interacting with families to to be to explain both the the pluses and the negatives of this sort of uh, of test at this point in time. Thank you so much, Barbara, for your thoughts. This concludes Hastings Conversations' focus on newborn sequencing. Thanks very much for joining us. 